the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. So today we are in the realms of behaviour change and I'm delighted to be joined by Jane Bellard and Miranda Rennie who make up the We're the Agency, the Water Saving Experts. Jane and Miranda, welcome. Um, You're all into the realms and the expertise of behaviour change. So can we talk a little bit about what you use in behaviour change? I know there's something called nudge theory, but I'm not very clear on what that is. And I don't know what other theories there are. So, um, Miranda, would you like to start with what what nudge theory is? Well, well, I was going to say that probably Jane is uh, one of the uh, experts on nudge theory. She sort of used that in um, trials with water bills and giving people um, continual nudges to continue to change their behaviour. What I was going to say is that one of the main overarching theories that, um, that we use is the COMB model for behaviour change, um, which is a fantastic theory that just really helps to solidify that the, the B is the behaviour, but how you go about getting people to change their behaviour and thinking through um, have they got the capability, have they got the opportunity, and then really, really pivotal for us in changing people's water be- uh, use behaviour is have they got the motivation. So that's where the COM comes from to change behaviour. And um, it's just such a useful framework for us to be thinking strategically about how people can be motivated to change such an ingrained behaviour uh, and a behaviour that they don't do is so, um, so much uh, unconscious and so much part of the daily life routine that they don't even, they wouldn't even be able to tell you how much water they used in a, in a day, that the motivation becomes the key part of behaviour change that we often end up focusing on. Okay, so, sorry, take me through the, the was it three stages of your COM, COM-B model? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And it's, it's a fantastic, and it was in the, um, the late 90s, and it was a team at um, LSE that originally came up with the framework. But it's capabilities, opportunities, and motivation. So it's helping to think about what is it that, will, that you can give to people that will make them um, see the motivation of why they could change, what their opportunity for change could be, and then have they got the capability. I think that the work that was originally done around it um, was actually, a lot of it was to do with health um, outcomes. So there was sort of getting people to stop smoking, um, issues around sort of diet and exercise, um, but, but actually helping people like us to use that framework of really highlighting how can we make sure that people recognise that this is something that they do every day but don't think about and give them a motivation. Brilliant. Thank you. I'm going to come on to some sort of specific um, campaigns that I know you've done because I think they're really exciting. Jane, I mentioned, can I come to you? I, mm. I mentioned nudge theory. So, I mean, I, number 10 had a nudge theory unit, didn't it? So, nudge <laughs> theory is sort of terribly in, but what is it? <laughs> well, actually, interestingly, I worked with... Um, the behavioural insights team, which was the nudge unit, um, recently on a water water bill, and and what it is is about um, making small nudges in the right direction. So it can be often um, 
about sort of presenting data in a way that makes you go, oh, okay, yeah, I, I could just do that. Or presenting things to you at a moment where they're interesting or framing them slightly differently. Um, there is, um, there is these, there are these East cards, which I can really recommend. They are something um, that the Nudge unit came up with. And um, they break down um, different, uh, they break down ways of thinking about things in different ways. So they've got lots of different cards and some of them fall into so e-a-s-t um and now i'm put on the spot i'm trying to think what the e-a-s-t <laughs> says but it's things like for example e, the e is for easy so things where people can make um easy switches so trying to get people to um change a behavior like to start something new or to stop doing something is really difficult but getting someone to make a small switch within it so for example i know that um, they're working on for example uh, trying to get people to change from using cow's milk to using non-dairy milks so it's much easier to get someone to switch to oat milk than it is for someone to stop having milk in their tea or stop using it altogether that's a really simple um switch that i know that the the nudge unit and nest are working on the um uh, for for water saving what that looks like is things like um instead of using this both buttons when you plus uh, flush the toilet with a dual flush toilet just press one button that's a much easier nudge um than for example don't flush the toilet every time and you know that the, there are su there's such big differences in how how likely you are to get someone to do something and albeit you're saving half the water instead of all the water with a flush by using one button instead of two you're still so much easier so much easier to nudge someone in the direction of making that small switch than um getting them to just completely remove a behavior so sense. East is easy, attractive, social and timely. Thank so you. I was <laughs> <laughs> so um so you um so just come back to keep keep with your button um thing at the moment. So I'm pressing mm. one button, it's an easy thing to do. Um how do you make it attractive? It's attractive because it's going to help me reduce water. So what you need to do is think about why somebody might do that. So uh, attractive might be you know, in a year, you could save X amount on your bill by making that simple switch. You can't always make everything um, all of the East. But what, what you can use, they, they have produced these cards and they have got maybe, I want to say 10-ish, um, basically ways that you can um, think about a problem in a different way um, for each of those letters. So they're a great brainstorming tool when you're coming to think about setting up a, a behavior change campaign um, and ways to turn a behavior on its head. So it's not, um, it's not necessarily that you would use all of them. It's oftentimes just one, but you're trying to use one of those ways to, um, to turn a behavior on its head and get someone to think about something differently so that they can, um, uh, so that they can change their behavior much more easily. So I was going to say, so, um, so that's that's great so how have you two because you Jane I know have a PR background Miranda I know you have a, a psychology background and a marketing background so you you come at things from slightly different angles which is why you, why you say you complement each other so well so can we bring though the combi model and the east model together and talk about something that you've worked on together which I think was save our streams would that be the the first project together Yes. So, um, yeah, could, um, right. Miranda, would you like to explain what Save Our Streams was? And then perhaps the two of you could talk about the different things that you brought to that project. 
Absolutely. Well, I think actually from um, the two different sides, the two sides that we were coming at from um, the Save Our Stream, I was looking at it from a brand positioning point of view. How could the, the, the brand of Affinity Water be talking to the, their um, community of you know, 3.8 million people or however many people are actually in their region that they're supplying water to in a way that's really putting them in a, in a good light and in a light that shows that they are working hard to do their side of the bargain, they're fixing leaks, they're working hard, but also that they're providing great quality water and they're looking after the environment. So I have come at it from the point of view of Affinity Water helping their customers to use less water is actually part of their deal of using taking less water from the environment. So it's very much a, a brand positive that the support of not only doing their side of the bargain, but working to help people use less water with the, the, um, the, the brand of Affinity Water and um, communicating with their customers. And Jane coming at it from the point of view of actually we need to be saving water and the change of behaviour and these learnings from the bill and using these nudge theories and um, socially motivating people to take heed of how much water they're using. But that was where we came together to work on the motivation. And Save Our Streams was really about helping people reflect on where the water came from. So in the Affinity Water region in the southeast of England, there are 23 of the 260-odd chalk streams, which are these wonderfully unique environmental phenomena of um, streams that run through chalk beds and are incredibly clear, wonderful wildlife around them. But they need looking after, and the groundwater that is sourced from that area and clean, sent to people's homes, comes from the same groundwater sources that feeds these streams. So that was the link that said, actually, the less water you waste, the more will stay in the environment. So the motivation for you environmentally is to do this. We subsequently then started looking, particularly with some of the results that Jane had from the, the billing nudge um, sort of project, was actually to talk about the financial savings that you could be making by making small changes. So the behaviours that we centred on were two minutes less in the shower. We didn't dictate how long your shower was. We said, just two minutes less and you can save up to 30 litres, which could look like about £400 in a year. We talked about um, always pressing the eco button and always filling up your dishwasher or your washing machine. Because again, from a nudge theory point of view, people are already doing those things, but ensuring that they're full, ensuring that the eco button's pressed and giving them a timely reminder, like the sticker that goes on your, um, your white goods, that you can actually then get people to just make small changes that cumulatively have a huge impact on how much water is taken out of the environment, has to be cleaned, sent to your home, and then potentially is wasted. So we were very clear that we didn't want to say to, we, didn't, we never wanted to come across as finger pointing. Um, obviously, the water company has to do their part, but the customers can support. And it's only actually small changes that you have to make um, in this sort of nudge theory world of um, not having to change everything all at once, but small things can make huge differences. And motivationally, both the amount of water that can be reduced from being out of the environment, but also the money that can be saved. That's where Save 
water, save money, save our streams becomes the, the underpin for the campaign. That's that's really, really clear. So Jane, from your perspective, one of the things that always interests me is the social side because yeah. there is something very strong with the social stuff around nudge isn't there so how, yeah. how does that work so actually coming back to the the billing project so that was um the first project i worked on at affinity water and they had asked me to look at the water bill and say but when people get their bill is a moment where they feel motivated to save water because they know how much it's costing them when you get one every <laughs> six months in water um mm-hmm. so but you you might pay every month on a direct debit but you get a, a bill every six months based on the meter read if you're a metered customer and so that's the moment people go hmm I think about saving water actually and telling everybody in my household to do the same. And so socially, what we did was we put on um, social norms, it's known as, at the beginning of the bill. So on the front page, we said, this is, in a bar chart, this is how much water you use on average in a day. This is how much water the average similar-sized household, so not just so people can go, oh, you know, you're comparing me to a one-bed flat and there's five of us, mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm not interested. It was really similar and based on something like 400-odd data points, um, similar households, and then the most efficient similar-sized households. So the 20th percentile was where we pitched it. So you get these three bars on a chart. You're, you're used to the average similar-sized household and the efficient similar-sized household. So you can kind of see where you stack up. And for some people, that was so motivating. They rang our call centre and sort of said, well, hang on a minute, this can't be right. What's gone wrong? And actually, that's, that's the moment where you go, right, okay, this is really crucial. You do yeah. use a lot more than other people. There's so much water is used in private right lots of water use is in the bathroom and therefore you are usually on your own nobody's seeing what you're doing and nobody's picking you up on it and Mm -hmm. so you don't know if it's right or wrong and actually Mm. i remember one of the first things i was ever briefed on was from anglian water and it was about how do we get people to talk about whether they flush tampons which is obviously not a very savory conversation that a lot of people want to have so nobody was talking about it so nobody knew what the other people were doing nobody sees Mm -hmm. you do it and so how do we get people talking about that so that they know that that isn't what you're supposed to do and so like i think just that sort of putting some context around how much water you use the other thing we did on the front of the bill and that's worked really well is to say okay on average you use x liters per day that equates to y number of baths a day because i think people can't visualize water very easily as it goes yeah. down the down the drain yeah. you don't see it as a mass except in yeah. a bath or a you know a bucket or whatever um and being able to visualize it like that i've seen that really work in in practice on another project that i worked on um called bidwell water savers which is part of a trial to try and make all houses in future water neutral but like carbon neutral and in that we sort of said we don't want you to try and do everything or like we didn't ask people to do everything we asked them to pick one change um one simple change and we told them how much water it would save and we just gave them the choice and that's been really powerful and interesting a lot of people have chosen all of them but if we'd have asked them to do all of them it'd have freaked them out so you sort of try and go piecemeal and sort of say what's important to you what do you think you could change um here's something really really simple and when you've got that ingrained as a habit we'll we'll you know talk to you about the next one but we also sent like email triggered emails to say okay after a week you've already saved this many bathtubs full of water after two weeks you've already saved this much bathtub. you know you could drive to you know it actually is staggering up distance based on the co2 from not having to pump that water to your house that kind of thing 
Oh, I see. So, I mean, yes, you're really pushing the mo- pushing the motivation there because now I've I've I can actually visualise. And you're right; we just turn on a tap, don't we? We don't we don't think any further than that. So, Miranda, can I come back to you and ask about how you measure the responses? I mean, Jane said yes. People phoning the call centre and going, "That can't be right." I mean, that's wonderful qualitative measurement. But how else can you measure the the success of this? Oh, I can show you many spreadsheets. It's very exciting. (laughs) Evaluation clearly is an incredibly important part of what we do and how we do it. Um, Along along the way, there are several different measures we can use. And across different projects that we've worked on, we've been able to do either far, far deeper, more um, robust analysis, which is based on... Um, actually following through from what people have said in a, a, a questionnaire, actually going back and looking at their metered data. You're reporting you've changed your data. Let's actually have a look and see whether this has changed annually since you joined the campaign. So that kind of robust data, which really helps to frame the people who have said they're doing this are actually saving this much water a day and making judgments based on that. And even if they haven't signed up for the campaign, people who have seen it are saving this much water. So we've mm-hmm. actually um, been able to do really robust analysis that follows through into metered data. But also, um, some of the partners that we work with who work across the whole of um, the water demand um, units and projects within water companies have got some wonderful data scientists who can really help to dig down into computer modeling of within a campaign period and within really importantly this weather kind of period um, when we were working during COVID with people on the roads and travel looking like this this is how much water we would have expected based on these factors to have used during this time. Then we look at actually in the campaign period how much water was used. So rather than doing what we would have often done in previous jobs and projects of taking a control group who see nothing versus a group where you're actually giving them certain criteria, Mm -hmm. what we've been able to do, for example, we've just done a really fantastic, very quick, very short project in the Cambridge region. So we've been working with uh, Cambridge Water. Um, We were asked to put together a summer campaign for them. So we weren't able to go into as much detail as being able to follow individual users. But the, the insight that we used over the summer, people who have gardens use hoses. Hoses use an inordinate amount of water that people don't even think about. About 1,000 litres in one hour could be used through your hose. So if you just leave your hose running or a sprinkler running, you're using 1,000 litres of water and helping them to picture that, showing them a huge Arlington tank of, you know, this 1,000 litres sort that you see in a, in, a, in a cattle field. That's in one hour. So you leave your hose on overnight or you, you know, overflow your paddling pool and you could be using thousands and thousands of litres, which is about the same as a, an adult could use in a whole week. We gave them the alternative, 
you know, your watering can, use your, use your watering can instead. So this project that was really based on, you know, use your watering can this summer, it will help the cam, the, cam, the river that runs through, cam for the cam was the name of the project that we've just been working on. We weren't able to do the analysis um, of actually following through of what would be used um, and what have been used in certain homes and looking at the difference in that. But we have been using the analysis, which we haven't got the final date, data on yet, but the, and the audits will help to really show the rigour behind it. But we are looking at indicators that we are using significantly less water in that specific water region because people have switched that one simple behaviour, because we've given them one behaviour to change over the summer. Um, and over this sort of the, the warmer period at the late end of the summer, asking them to change from using a hose to using a watering can. Um, and then we can see the analysis is indicating that people have seen the advertising, you know, classic, you know, marketing post analysis, but also it has motivated them sufficiently to change their behaviour and the water that's being used in the region is less than we were expecting. So I hope, I mean, there are a myriad of ways that it can be measured, but we're the first thing that we do when we're given a brief is how are we going to see whether this has worked or not. And I think that's really important because anything to do with behaviour shapes can always seem a little bit pink and fluffy and a little bit like there's no sort of data around it. So Jane, um, Miranda's mentioned the um, can for a cam, which I do find quite hard to say. Um, can you just give us a little bit of background about what the marketing messages were? What did you do creatively with that? So when we were looking at can for the cam, we uh, we started off looking in different territories, um, and and actually what, what to get to the name can for the cam, we had to go through various different um, kind of iterations of how how do we get this message across? Do we go heavy on the watering can message? Do we go heavy on the why you should do it? And actually we managed to get the what you should do and why you should do it into one name, which obviously credit to our copywriter, Jen Ball, for that. Um, and that really helped. So then we had the visual lockup of a watering can and, uh, and and can for the can within it. And we had people using water watering cans, a treatment with people of different uh, demographics using watering cans with our key lockup on in front of it but what we looked at was the sort of hyper local media so um we worked with local radio stations so we worked with star radio and we worked with um cambridge 105 we also looked at their local newspapers so cambridge news cambridge live online um there's a in your area so um and and trying to get that sort of really really local um, but also repeated message that we needed action fast. And actually what we knew from SOS was it took about eight times of people seeing the campaign to go, hang on a minute, I keep seeing this. Stop, well, sorry, what, what do you need me to do? And we, we, it took a while. We, we had a, a nervous couple of weeks at the beginning of the campaign <laughs> of the first year where we'd put everything out there. We'd had like Sandy Toxvig and Mark, um, Mark Watson, um comedian standing live streamed in a stream doing a stand up for the, our streams um, uh, comedy gig. We'd had like advertising going out. We'd had everything. We'd thrown the kitchen sink at it and we weren't seeing enough people sign up and we were starting to get really nervous. And suddenly we saw this real spike and it was after about eight times we worked out. And so we knew with Cam for the Cam, we've got to go fast. We've only got two, three months to get this message out there. And we've got to get action straight away. So we went for frequency and we did a top of the hour thing on the, on, Cam, uh, on Cambridge 105 where everybody saw it. 
uh, every hour there was a message about it, plus there was an, a proper longer advert. With Star Radio, we sponsored the weather so that we were getting that frequency. And we also had an ad running um, that had, you know, longer form and explained it a bit more. We had a lot of social media ads. We had, we tried to basically hit the same people again and again and again in different places with the messaging. We had a photo shoot on day one, so we were on the BBC and ITV news on launch day um, with school children standing by the cam, pouring water from a washing can into plants <laughs> with a chalk drawing on the floor for the chalk streams. You know, we kind Brilliant. of tried to um, to throw lots of different aspects of it. We also did events, so things like the Cambridge Country Show, where you've got a high proportion of people within our target market, i.e. gardeners, sort of 30 to 70. Um, and we were, we just tried to focus really, really tightly on this demographic of people who've got a garden who would water their garden and um, and people and, and get letting them see the message so often that it felt like everybody's doing this, I need to be doing this. Um, and and also you hope that the when you're clever with a name like Can for the Cam, people respond to that and kind of go, okay, this is, you know, like I can get on board with it. A cheeky smile from something often helps. Um, we did, we focused very heavily on comedy when we did, uh, when we started SOS Save Our Streams. We, we, that's kind of evolved a bit now. But, um, but actually trying to poke fun at water wasting behaviors and try to change pe- the people's perception. So, and, and we talked a lot of as well before we, before we settled on Can for the Can, you know, do we, do we go after brown lawns? Do we say to people, you know, let your lawn go brown this this summer. As it happened, mm-hmm. the weather was so poor, nobody's lawn went brown. But it's not always the way. But but you know, we but there are a lot of social sort of um, things that come with having a brown lawn, and we just thought, actually, I don't know that that's going to land. That isn't that's too big of an ask for people. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, watering your your lawn with a watering can, if you really, really want <laughs> it green, albeit, you, do, you know, depending on how big lawn is, whether some people might not be interested in that. It feels like you're asking people to go like a medium step, not a really big, long step. That was great. Um, Jane Bellard and um, Miranda Rennie, thank you so much for giving us your en- insights into um, water changing behaviour and overall consumer changing consumer behavior and I think what I picked up was the fact that repetition being very sort of hyper local and being very very specific about what you needed was was really important and if anybody has been wondering about the background hum um, in a first for the podcast Miranda is actually sitting on top of a hydroelectric turbine um, which uh, (laughs) rather wonderfully (laughs) rather wonderfully Um, thank you both so much and you are from we're the agency which is we're as in um, we're in a water, W-E-I-R, the agency, the water saving experts. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you, Kieran. Great to meet you. Thank you for your time. Bye. Bye. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College, training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.